<laughs> the last kilometer either goes well or the last kilometer you are absolutely <laughs> treading water in a steeplechase um, and the barriers seem like a mountain to get over um, you know so it's, it's it's working on that endurance to really you know it's it's training like a 5k runner to really pull you through for that last kilometer of a steeplechase um, and in steeplechase you know it's it's not like you know normal flat running because um, you've got to spot the barriers and if there's a big crowd of you and you can't spot the barriers you have to watch what other people are doing and try and trust them for when you're going to jump the barrier and when you get to major competitions and you're all in a big bunch that's that's where it gets pretty hard um, but you know the, the last kilometer if you know if you've gone far too fast and, and the lactics hit you know at that 2k mark um, it's a really really long way home that my friend was Kerry O'Flaherty and this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to podcast number 34. This week we have the pleasure of listening to Kerry O'Flaherty from the Newcastle Athletic Running Club. She's been very successful throughout her career and at the age of 30 she moved her focus to the 3,000 metre steeplechase. Um, it was a great decision which led her to, of course, the 2016 Rio Olympics. just like to thank everyone who's downloaded the podcast so far and to our sponsors Born to Run who are in Dublin Expo this weekend. So if you're about, why not drop in and say hello. Um, they're running some fantastic competitions down there, including free entry into their full winter series, which starts in Minneburn on the 3rd of November. I'd like to wish everyone good luck in the Dublin Marathon on Sunday. I'll be dressed in what looks like an orange Spider-Man suit, but is in fact a Halloween pumpkin. So if you see me, make sure you say hello. I give you Gary O'Flaherty. Come here, you go in there too. <laughs> so you go in there. In the baby's bum. In Class. there. In there. Sit. You don't leave one of them out. I know. The, ba- the, baby, um, the baby crates for... She broke her leg. A dog jumped on her and broke her leg, you see. So I had to immobilise her for at least six weeks at the beginning. Um, so I just didn't know what to do because she follows me around everywhere. So I basically then bought the, the baby. I love her. Carrier, so and they've taken to it, so I didn't. It's class, never got over in this house. So I'm interested in your introduction, firstly into actually running to begin with, mm-hmm. and because quite a few people have spoken to of late, I've been quite late into running, but you actually started quite early, didn't you? I started um, in in school and also with Newcastle Athletics Club. So there was a. A 5k road race Newcastle used to run on the roads um, just around the, the main town um, and there was a 3k for juniors and um, it, was, it was around the time of sort of the summer festival in Newcastle and I, I was down the street with my dad and I just said to my dad well can I run this and he sort of looked at me and he said yeah yeah okay um, so I ended up coming around the town and coming into the finish and I was ahead of most of the boys. I think there was maybe two boys in front of me and that was about it. Um, and then into the leisure centre for the prize given. And it was Marty McVeigh then approached my dad and said, oh, was that your daughter? And he said, yeah. He says, you should bring her down to the club. You know, she looks like, a, you know, she could be decent As at this. As clubs do, like, yeah, trying so, to get the clothes in quick. Yeah, so I was, I was 13 at the time. Um, nice. So I did start back then and developed it through school, mainly through mm. cross 
cross country was was my starting point with athletics really um, and then moving on to doing a bit of bit of track 800 1500 meters and um, but it was then when i went to university and i was traveling from newcastle mm-hmm. to jordanstown i took sort of a, a step back from from the running and just mainly because i was just so tired doing yeah. the whole commute every day and um um it was about probably had about five years out of the sport competitively i kept myself fit and mm-hmm. um, sort of kept myself ticking over with uh just sort of you know runs joining the university athletics club as well but i, I wasn't running competitively like, like i had done just in the schools fingers, isn't it really mm-hmm. yeah see before you were 13 were you like i know when i go to the primary school sometimes when i'm watching my own kids doing their sports um some of the runners are phenomenal and you think to yourself gee but they're being missed you know they're amazing mm-hmm. so like in some of the 100 meter sprints some like young guy or young girl is like way out in front of everybody else mm-hmm. and such a hidden talent and did you find that with yourself coming up through like sort of p5 six seven and just all these fun sports days um, is there something there already our school only had sports you know the you know your once a year summer yeah. sports day um, and apart from that you know there there wasn't athletics in the primary schools back then well mm. there wasn't any in mine Um, basically you were in a small hall and you either played volleyball or uni hawk or netball mm. and, and that and that was it um you know i enjoyed the the fun sports and the, and the team sports as well um and i guess that's why i was always sporty and sort of if you, if you look at sort of the era i come from you know kids were always out playing on the streets and yeah. um, we were always out you know with our friends um you know sort of playing you know catching games and, and things like that so I guess, you know, you're always active. being brought up, being active and so on. And then, you know, you had your local clubs like, you know, Bryansford where mm. I played a bit of Camogie and a bit of Gaelic. Um, and then, you know, later on I'd um, got into a bit of soccer as well with Tolly Moore. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I always really enjoyed sport. Um, and I guess, you know, I find that I was good at the running. But I guess in, in primary school, sort of the, the taller girls were always the faster yeah. girls. Um, and you know there, there there was a very tall girl in our class who would have always won the the sprints um so I was always maybe Just second in the sprints so <laughs> yeah so you know I wouldn't have necessarily you know been the one way out ahead when we did have sports day in primary school. So when you were thirteen then mm-hmm. um Newcastle saw it snatch you. You always see it happen around here when there's a good runner appears and not a club <laughs> runner. All these clubs oh you should come with us on a Tuesday night and try uh, the training. But I was pretty young as well. Newcastle's got a good youth sort of structure there don't they they do they ha- I, I would say they have probably one of the best in mm. northern ireland um there's there's a lot of kids coming through there uh you know I, I go down every now and again when i can i would like to help out more but with my training regime and mm. and monday nights for me um i i double run on a monday you know so um you know it's hard to always be available yeah. to go down and help um but the the coach volunteers we have there are, are great and i guess it started off with um you know a handful of of adults in the club with their children and then sort of develop from there um, and I know there's there's a there's a waiting list to sort of get into the club there with with the juniors now we don't turn anybody away but you know Monday nights can be very very jam-packed and you know there's there's only a maximum amount of people we can take health and safety wise you know in yeah. the facilities and um, so there there is a cut-off point there to um, to having you know the kids coming in Um. But uh, it's it's great. You see to a big see gap in the and from the school perspective, like from an athletics, because 
as you say there, you know, in primary mm-hmm. school there really isn't any. Originally I came from Cardiff in, in South mm-hmm. Wales. I remember we used to, you wouldn't see it now, but like in P4 and P5 we were throwing javelins and shot pits out yeah. in the field. And when I came here there was absolutely really nothing, really from an athletics point of view. Mm-hmm. And do you see that improving sort of in schools more? Um, I, I can see it improving um, a, a little bit. Um, I know, you know, there's great initiatives there with Athletics Northern Ireland here in the north. Um, uh, this year, I'm actually the Flavins um, cross-country ambassador mm-hmm. for the Primary School League. So, um, you know, it's, it's great that the primary schools are getting mm-hmm. on board for the cross-country and coaches are coming in to the schools to promote that. Um, and there's a handful of kids then that then will progress on to the competitions and so on you know so initiatives like that are great but I think we need more initiatives like that yeah. you know if we can have something council run that um, you know the the athletes are going as, as ambassadors I guess it gives the athletes a bit of pocket money for themselves you know heading in yeah. um, and you know when when you've you know been to the likes of the Olympics and so on you know the kids are absolutely amazed um, but you know I, I, I don't think there is enough you know, I know myself, you know, we didn't have athletics in primary school. And when we moved to secondary school, you know, you only did athletics for maybe a couple of weeks. And, mm-hmm. you know, moving into your sports day. And that was about it. But, you know, like we didn't have javelins, shot put, anything like <laughs> that in school. Um, and, and I guess, you know, I know time is limited maybe with primary schools but I know maybe there's a lot of after school stuff happening now I know there's sports coaches coming into primary schools um, but I think maybe you know there there is a need to to boost yeah. athletics because there's so many different events in athletics you know that can help kids progress on to other sports other careers yeah. and, and so on you know it's athletics is great because it's an all-rounder for everybody it's such a great discipline as well though isn't it mm-hmm. it's just so much and they're pretty well around so in the county down area, they have the schools cross countries. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody wanted their child to get into athletics, what's the best path you think they could take? Yeah, I think the best path is is the clubs. You know, in the in the area, you've got you know the great great setup with Newcastle mm-hmm. AC and, and East Down as well, in, in this local area with the with the juniors. And um, so I guess it's you know find a club. But as I said, you know earlier on there, you know there there's there's only so much capacity there. Um, but it's, it's I suppose it's also looking for maybe sort of after school things that are happening. Um, or maybe um summer schemes that are set up. You know. You know, around athletics, I know athletics and I sort of set up um sort of their little track and field schemes. You know, during during the summertime, there might be something at the Mary Peters track, um, or some coaches sometimes come out to some of the schools that are closed mm-hmm. over the summer but open up for the facilities. Um, but again, I suppose in this area, it's maybe if we had a track in this area, yeah. you know, I would say you know athletics, you know, for for kids, you know, it would boom, you know, when some when you when you bring kids to a track and they've never been at a track before, they've seen a track. I know my first time going to the Mary Peters track, I was just like, oh it's my amazing. goodness, this is amazing. You know, you'd watch the Olympics on the TV, but you know, nobody ever told you, you know, you you could go and do that. It was just yeah. on the TV. It wasn't something, you know. I guess you were never told you could be that sports person on TV, you know. Um, whereas now, you know, you know, people around there telling the kid, yes, you know, you can go on and do that, and they know they can go on and do that, and you know, it's a, it's pretty inspiring for them to see then people locally, um, you know, sort of competing worldwide in the Olympics and so yeah. on. Um, but I guess I guess it, I suppose it is about facilities. It's about about getting coaches out there as well. Um, 
and um, you know finding finding the clubs for the kids and um, there's a great cross country series you know that that we would have as well um McGrady Financial mm-hmm. um cross country league. What does it um, take part? There would be different venues, so um, there's there's a number of clubs involved in that in the areas. Um, you know, there's there's Newcastle, there's East Down, I think um, Five Ways Athletics Club as well, and um, maybe Dromore. Um, so there's a handful of the smaller sort of athletics clubs. And does in that invite go out to the clubs? It, only, goes, it goes out to a number of clubs that are sort of in this area, not mm. not the sort of the Bell the Belfast um, clubs. Um, I think they have their own wee leagues, but this this is one um, that was set up mainly um, with with Newcastle um, and then working with the other clubs as well and um, each club will, will host um, one of the yeah. races. Um, what sort of age group do they sort of um, th- oh, that's from I, th- I think there's like an under I think there's a under eight race is wow, the is the the youngest age now but we would have kids there that are maybe like four and five co- coming in um, and it, it's a great wee series I'm taking my nephew there tomorrow yeah. they're they're holding it in Kilbrony tomorrow um as part of it and, and it's great and then Newcastle would host then a prize given at the end of the series good, which is great and they'd get somebody in to talk so I spoke one year um, I think Zach Hanna spoke with them mm-hmm. last year and did the presentation and so on and it's an opportunity for the kids to ask you know the the older athlete who's in their club you know how they started um, how they progressed and so on. Do you see that growing and getting bigger along, along with the running boom that's happening at the minute? Yeah, you know, the, the running boom's really big, you know, um, I train with, with Newcastle on a Tuesday and Thursday night um, in Newcastle itself, and, um, you know, the amount of people running, the amount it's of clubs, isn't it? yeah, you know, the, they'd be ourselves, they'd be Murloc, um, there's, an, there's another group, um, like, um, they're called Jog Off. <laughs> and Selena Rooney um heads that group um so there, there's there's lots of different groups um yeah. you know when I started out running when I was younger um you know you would have been the only person out running on you know on the main Newcastle the Dundrum Road out and back along the promenade and now you know you, you'd always see a runner out um yeah. so you know the couch to 5k has been a great initiative yeah, as well yeah. and and the park run park run has been that's another good way of getting your kids out as well isn't it like it is introduced into it yeah yeah it is it's great and then you know there there are certain park runs that will have junior park runs as well Mm -hmm. you know which isn't the full 5k but but it is great because there's a lot of mums and dads will come out there and they'll you know they'll they'll walk jog and the kids can go with them and so on and but it's it's so 13 then and then you you sort of introduced into that and you went into university Mm -hmm. then you sort of kept your fingers in it but you sort of step back a little bit to try and focus and make sure the balance is maintained I suppose mm-hmm. at what point then did you start to think about being competitive yeah um well sort of when I was hitting sort of the age of eight, 18 I was sort of still competing um sort of you know in the in the schools there really um and you know throughout the ranks I'd I'd won sort of 800 and 1500 meter Ulster schools sort of right the way through um and when I went to university, obviously then took a step back because of all the travel and so on. And I suppose, you know, I was getting back into it by competing with the university team over mm. the cross country and then back for a little more track. Um, and then, you know, I got back involved with, with Newcastle AC again and took to the mountains. And I had I'd done a bit of mountain running when I was a junior um, and I'd gone to um, sort of some of the comp- main competitions over over in England um with uh at Northern Ireland for the mountain running um so I thought look you know I'll get back into this and um, see how I go you know I want to get back into my running 
and I suppose that the the smaller targets were making you know the world's um the world championships for yeah. the mountain running um which I did on on a couple of occasions. So you're always focused on that. You weren't focused on like winning really small local races and things. You you always had bigger aspirations. Um, I, I guess it was when you were when you were younger, and then when I progressed, then progressed the running. <laughs> it was about you know you wanted to get a Northern Ireland vest. You wanted to get yeah. an Irish vest. And you know, I'd I'd done that in school. You know, my my, my second year running, um, I'd made the Irish schools. You know, back when I was thirteen, fourteen, and um, so from making that first sort of Irish vest at Irish schools, I guess you know that's where the hunger was. You know, it was about making. You wanted to make teams. You wanted to make teams. I guess a lot of it was maybe you know getting to go and travel and you know meet yeah. new people. Um, you know, go away with your friends as well. Um, it must be quite exciting at that age to to be travelling with a. Northern Ireland or an Irish shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, it was my first one. It was um, the international schools actually down in Dungarvan. <laughs> so it was it was it was a long long car journey back then. Um, but you know after that, then you know I was I was making um sort of the mountain running teams when I was it was a junior um for Northern Ireland um and would travel over um and over the water to to do a few races over there and so on and and I enjoyed that you know and you made you made friends you know from Scotland Wales England. Um, and th- those people who I would probably still be in touch with because they later on progressed their running yeah. too um, and it was great to then meet them you know as a senior then back on the cross-country courses and so on when I went over to maybe the UK um, cross-country in, in Liverpool and stuff and you were you were competing against those girls again um, not many of them all went through mm. but you know the odd one that you that you remembered from back in the day you know of schools cross-country and um, Brilliant. But yeah, but it was about then, you know, challenging myself and wanting to make, you know, the, the international teams again. And, and I suppose Newcastle being a mountain running, mainly mountain running club now, we have branched out now. Yeah. There's, there's many doing um, the Dublin Marathon next week. Um, so um, there's, there's a lot on the roads. There's there's still a few of us that would be track runners, you know, that, you know, mm. myself, um, I know when Totten takes the track, um, you know, we've had Zach Hanna on the track, but, you know, he's he's a mountain goat at heart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was making those teams. And then I guess once I was making those teams and, and I had ticked the boxes of making world championships um, and getting the Irish vest to go to the, the world, the world mountain runner championships, um, I really looked at my running and I knew that my heart really lay with the track. Although I'd come from cross country and mountain yeah. running and I really I really enjoy the roads, really enjoy the roads. But um, you know, marathon wasn't for me. <laughs> Uh, so you know Have you tried, have you ran a marathon? No, no, no I haven't. What's the longest distance you've done half? Um I haven't raced a half but um I've been I've been going out with the clubs in the club on a Sunday to pace people for their half distance um but uh and I did that for the first time last week <laughs> but um yeah for me you know I, I enjoy going out running and I enjoy the the long Sunday run but um to 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 race sort of half it's mar- totally different marathon. sport really isn't it yeah yeah I've never really had the physiological makeup for that either I've been I've been sort of my sweet spot has been that sort of middle distance I have a middle distance makeup and uh, but I don't have the pure speed like the likes of mm. Kier McGee and has over fifteen hundred meters. But I can run a strong fifteen hundred meters. You know, I'm you know, my my PB is four twelve. Um, you know, where Kira, you know, is a, a four minute girl. You know, so, um, 
So to, to me, it was finding then where my sp- sweet spot yeah, lay on, on the track because, you know, I, I went from running 1,500 and then running some 5,000 and, and as far as 1,500 and 5,000 were concerned, I was always a tiny, tiny bit off qualifying mm. for um, Commonwealth Games. Um, and it wasn't until then I'd, I'd run um, 3,000 metres on the track that, that we realised, there you go, that's... That was the spot. That's that's the sweet spot. Three thousand, mm. um, and of course three thousand isn't a women's event anymore. It did move to five thousand, um, so it was steeplechase. <laughs> I was going to ask then, how did you get into steeplechase? Because it's uh, it must require a lot of strength. Because I was trying to imagine going around three thousand mm. meters on that, and you, you're bound to be getting tired. And how you, yeah, you it's, keep it's, it's a lot tough. of focus. Isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it is tough. I guess I guess my strength came from my running. Now I I was susceptible when I got back to track. I was susceptible to a lot of injuries, sort of mainly calves and Achilles with me, mm-hmm. and that was mainly because I'm I was a very toey runner. You know, I was very yeah. much forefoot. Um, but you know, um, my coach Richard Rogers and myself um worked alongside uh Chris Chris Jones, who's based over in Wales. Um, he came in to work with Athletics Ireland, and um, he helped me change my running style, um, and that made the difference then of mm. trying to keep the niggles at bay, um, and I became more of a midfoot striker, um, than than a forefoot. Because um, most people are trying to get up on their forefoot. Actually, yeah, they get a bit more strength out of going back a bit. I think I think probably people get trying to get more on their forefoot have been people who are maybe heel strikers and so on mm. and they're trying to move a bit more forward. Um, but for me I was very toey all the time and it was causing Achilles problems. Um, so we did move to more of a of a midfoot strike um and picked up the cadence of my running which which did make the world a difference. Um and along I coupled that along with, you know, having a good programme to strengthen my glutes all yeah. the time, you know, to get that good glute activation in. And I suppose coming from the mountain running and from being, you know, a junior cross country runner, you know, the the strength and background was there. It was just then developing that and, and being strong enough for the hurdles and, and having to go over the hurdles because I had never hurdled, you know. So, so how did that go then when somebody comes to you, why why you try to steeplechase then three thousand metres is sort of your distance? Yeah. Um that's now moving away now. It's five thousand metres, so why not mm. try a few obstacles in the road? I know. Because um, how many barriers? There's barriers in water, isn't it? Steeplechase. So yeah, like, there's 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 five, and um, one of them's the water jump. So there's 30, 35 in total. <laughs> it makes for a good photograph. It does. It does. <laughs> things go wrong. <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess because I was coming into it blind, because I had never um hurdled as a junior, you know, I never had the opportunity. I guess when you went to the Mary Peters track to train, um. I had gone to, to train as a junior with Lisburn Athletic Club, so I did run for them for a while when I was a junior because um, Newcastle didn't have a junior setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a while I did run with Lisburn, um, but it was the sprinters that, that had to go with the hurdles and so on. So I guess you know I never had the opportunity to do that. We didn't have it in schools. And They're quite a height, like, aren't they? What height are they? 2'6". Uh, 2'6". Jeepers, like that's... Yeah. So you have to, obviously, your run training and the hurdle training, is that the only training you do, or you do different type of strength sort of training for steeplechase? Yeah, well, d- for, for me, it, spotting the hurdles comes naturally for some reason, okay. you know, I was, I was, you know, I had a go at it, and I, I went over them, I went over them nicely, now, 
the, the trajectory wasn't great to start. I was basically up and down to start with. It mm. took a while then to then I, I um, moved on after a couple of years um, of sort of um, trying to get the technique right to move to um, a, a hurdles coach, a specific hurdles coach, Tom Reynolds, who I still work with now. Um, and that was great. That was a great move um, to bring somebody else in there it's, it's to get a technical expertise into it because it, it did make the world a difference. Um, to go over nice and smoothly rather than up and down and wasting energy yeah. you know it's to, you, you need to attack them as well and you need to run off them and um, so that that's that's what that works well you know i would work with tom you know in the winter season i don't do so much hurdles coming towards the end of the winter you know i will bring some hurdle work in mm-hmm. um, and then it would be working with tom once or twice a week over the hurdles um, throughout the rest of the year um, and then coupled that with my um, my running which would be endurance based mainly um, and you know I bring tempo sessions in there um, then some lactic sessions in I don't bring the lactic sessions in until we're really coming up to race time it's the sharpen up then yeah well it's, it's the, the sharpening up and also because I come from a middle distance makeup mm. um, in my physiology um, I can sort of tip tip over with that um, and too much of that then is detrimental to my endurance background how, how are you assessed on that then to understand that's what where you sort of fit mm-hmm. um well i have done some testing up at the sports institute and mm. um, so sinai there up at, up at jordanstown at the, the ulster university and um, so treadmill tests to do you know lactic threshold not necessarily vo2 max but um i would go and do lactic threshold tests which would basically let you know sort of what kind of athlete you are you know how, how much um lactic you're you're producing at, at whatever speed and so on and um, so in my training over the years i have started to use then um, a lactic machine to test my blood when i'm doing certain training sessions so i don't go over you know a certain amount yeah. of um, lactic in my blood and start um, training you know the wrong system um, for me, it's all about building the endurance because because I came from sort of middle distance, you know, I really have to work on that endurance and and the steeplechase is an endurance event, you know, it's more like a 5,000 because it is very, very demanding, you know, although it is, you know, 3,000 would be considered probably middle distance, but because of the barriers in the way, you know, the, it's, it's, it's that last kilometre, the last kilometre is tough. Like, yeah, and if you've you gone in... Mm. Especially when you go away into competitions, you might have back to back races. Does that affect you at all on the second day if you're? Yeah, well, with steeplechase, it's it's hard with steeplechase because you can go into um say like a, an Irish championship um and have heats in the eight hundreds and heats in the fifteen hundreds where you, you would be doing back to back and you'd be used to it um but where steeplechase is concerned you know you'd go into um a national competition or or a normal competition and there'd be one steeplechase race now when you get to world championships European championships and Olympics you will have the back-to-back which is usually one day in between and um, so over the years I have practiced that with maybe running um, the Armagh road race one night and then the next day or, or the day before um, running Athlone International you know a 1500 and then a then a 3000. Just put your body um, in the same situation really. Yeah yeah just to, just to practice that scenario of making you know running the heat and making that final and um, so that's what I did in the run-up to um, the European Championships in 2016 um, I had used sort of the indoor season 
sort of do a little bit of back to back to see how we went because other competitions that you went to on, on the track for, for the outdoors, you wouldn't have got that with steeplechase. Um, so that worked well because in 2016, um, the three of us, myself, Michelle and um, Sarah, all made that final. Um, yeah, it's so very tight as well, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Very close. Do you find that helps then yeah. having people sort of as close as that? Um, I think it has done for the three of us for the three of us to go into you know in twenty fifteen to go into that race in Letterkenny and all get the Olympic qualifying yeah, time phenomenal. in that race. You know, um, we'd been travelling across Europe, you know, beforehand, and and you know, you know, either not hitting the times or or not getting a great race or you know not getting great weather. Um, but that night just sort of everything it's was one of those perfect. Magical night days. It was, and you know, um, you know, it was it was great. You know, Letterkenny, I see setting that race up first. You know, it was, mm. you know, it was it was it was great. Um, for me, you know, that's that's my my PB was from there. Um, I haven't run as fast since. I'm hoping to run faster. Um, but the fact that that was set up for us, um, there was athletes brought over from the states to run against us as well. Right. We had a pacemaker from Poland to take us through, right through to 2K. So we just had to run the last last kilometre, sort of fighting the bit out there. Um, and the three of us were all, you know, striving for the same goal. Um, so I guess we were pushing each other all the way. Um, it was fantastic to come across the line and all three of us get that standard. How, how do you prepare yourself going into a race like that? Um, I mean, just like literally just before the race, yeah. not the training aspect of it. So well, I guess it was it was you quite nerve. Yeah, yeah, it was quite nerve wracking. I would get nervous before most races, but I find you know, um, getting nervous is all part and parcel of it. Um, if there are if there are no nerves, you know, you you maybe mightn't run as well. You know, you've got to get that adrenaline going a bit. Um, but for for that race, um, we had been racing across Europe and um. There was another race in Madrid that night, so we'd hemmed and had about, you know, do we go to Letterkenny or do we do we go to Madrid? And <laughs> we're like, gosh, you know, we'll probably get better competition in Madrid. But you know, for some reason, we all say, oh no, we'll all run this. So we all decided to run it. Um, but then really sort of gearing yourself up for it. Um, you know, it 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 was pretty nerve wracking. Um, yeah. it's always nerve wracking. You know, you sort of get the butterflies in, in the tummy. You feel a bit unwell. Um. It's hard to, to eat your last meal um, and then it's hard to, to warm up and do your drills. But as soon as we got on that line and, and the gun goes, the nerves go, mm. it, it just it completely goes and you go out and you do your thing. When you said warm up then, what type of, my um, physio is always given up to me about firing mm. up the calves. Yeah. And he yeah. says, you need to do these heel lifts before you go out for a run and get make sure they're firing properly because I have some issues with my calves. Like, mm-hmm. So what type of things you do? Is that, that sort of things you look at? You talked about firing up your glutes there. Yeah, I would do a lot of work with the glutes and a lot of band work, you know, so a lot mm. of um, monster walks, a load of clams, basically a glute circuit to activate the glutes before I go out for every run. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after that, if I'm doing a session or it's a race, you know, I would, I, I would at least get about, you know, two miles in before, uh, before a race, warm-up wise, yeah. or, or even before, you know, training. Um, and then get stuck into the race or the or the um the session, um. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of injuries do come from people not warming up properly. Um, and you know, it's very, just rare, it's very rare when you go to a five k race. Apart from maybe the top five percent or ten percent of um runners, that you actually see people warming up. You know, mm. they just come out of the cars and they walk over to the starting line, mm. and going off cold, like your muscles are not pliable really no. at all are they no and your heart rate's going to go through the roof mm-hmm. really and it's um one 
after all that training that you've put in, mm-hmm. <laughs> the difference that can make, you know, especially in the last K, then you feel that you've had a good strong run all the way through. It's very important, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it is really important, and, and I think the glute activation is is a very big important part yeah. of it. Um, you know, because that's you know you fire from your glutes. You know, if you if you don't do the running from your glutes, then you know as you said you know you start running through your calves you start running through your quads you pick up little niggles and injuries you know and mm. and many's a time you know people would go to a physio and, and then say to me guess what my glutes aren't firing they're yeah. not working and so on and so on um and and that's made a world of difference for me you know working with with glute activation before yeah. before every run and and you know similar to you i've had achilles and calf problems and um, so it's basically doing those eccentrics for the calves and achilles um, and doing some um, isometric holds for, for those as well you know so you're just um, on a step and you're you're up on your toes and you're holding a single leg for sort of isometrics which helps strengthen the the tendons because the glutes are one of the most important muscles like aren't mm-hmm. they for running i know when i started running the amount of issues i had and i was just used to sitting down or walking about you never really used your glutes at all so we i really struggled my it bands time and everything was sort of coming from the glute mm-hmm. and it's a lot of people aren't even aware of the glutes you know that I know, I know but that's that's there that's your major powerhouse that they're your yeah. major muscles for your for running um and it's you know it's so they are so so important um you know if you can get those right you know you can you can basically um try and keep all the other niggles at bay now there's you know there's you're always going to have niggles as a runner yeah. and there's you're always going to have you know a, a few injuries that, that that pop in unexpectedly um but you know you can try and keep those at bay mm-hmm. if you if you do work on your glutes and keep your glutes strong and stretching them out as well yeah. you know because you know they, they can get a very very tight do you think just stretch them before race would you are you believing that or um, I would do more of the activation yeah. work before a race. Um, now I do know if I have maybe a tight spot, um, I'd maybe you know use a foam roller or um, use a small ball to, to loosen areas out. But that's only if I know they have been tight and so on. Um, but for me, it's more about the activation work rather than rather than sort of stretching out. You talked about the last the last kilometer then because mm-hmm. you talked about you were getting paced for the first two kilometers. So it's about matter keeping control isn't it staying disciplined in that yeah. race not losing your head keeping an eye on what's going on mm-hmm. in case somebody makes a move on you really um what happens in the last kilometer then yeah <laughs> the last kilometer either goes well or the last kilometer you are absolutely <laughs> treading water in a steeplechase um and the barriers seem like a mountain to get over um you know so it's 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 working on that endurance to really you know it's yeah. it's training like a 5k runner to really pull you through for that last kilometer of a steeplechase um and in steeplechase you know it's it's not like you know normal flat running because um you've got to spot the barriers and if there's a big crowd of you and you can't spot the barriers you have to watch what other people are doing and try and trust them for when you're going to jump the barrier mm-hmm. and when you get to major competitions and you're all in a big bunch that's that's where it gets pretty hard um but you know the, the last kilometer if you know if you've gone far too fast and and the lactics hit you know at that 2k mark um, it's a really really long way home <laughs> yeah and you say i can just imagine them the groups coming up to the barriers mm-hmm. like have you had any complete disasters there are the groups just yeah um you know there's there's been times that you've had to move out into lane four or five 
to, to jump that barrier it's it's you know it's been crazy you know really moving out to then be able to spot it to then come back in to clear the barrier properly and um, you know you've got to get both legs over as well you know if 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 you get pushed out to the side and say your trail leg actually doesn't yeah. go over the full barrier then you know that you're disqualified um you know so you've got to watch out for things like that in the steeplechase you've got to watch out for people i have had people um stutter stutter up the barriers and then they break your stride um and slowing down the barrier is not what you want to do you want to you know run into you want to attack it you want to run in fast into it fast out of it and then you pick your rhythm up um so we've had people hit barriers in front of us um, and fall and you've had to try and jump to avoid them, swerve to avoid them. Um, but I guess my worst was in 2013 um, when I was in um, Belgium in a competition and I was trying to get the Commonwealth qualifying time for 2014 in Glasgow and they, I was in great shape. The gun went and we went round for the, the, the first lap um, your first 200 doesn't have any barriers and um, came round then for the for the first water jump and um, I was second to approach the the water jump barrier and I as I put my foot on it and um, the girl in front of me pushed off and the barrier ricocheted and it wasn't secured on the on the left leg on the left leg of the barrier and the barrier ricocheted and I came down a cracker on the barrier with my leg um, and I ended up having to climb over it and I did run on because you know all you had in your head was you were trying yeah. to get a qualifying time um so that's been that's been the worst um but you know knowing that it wasn't my fault you know it was a it was a technical fault with mm -hmm. the equipment um when it when it came to the men's race and um, they well the for the rest of our race they had three men hold the barrier in place right. um, they had people trying to to screw it back on um, and it wasn't working so three men held the barrier while we completed the rest of the race um, I then got taken to hospital as I crossed the line across the line I don't know how I ran the rest of the race but when I crossed the line I couldn't walk and then they couldn't go ahead with the men's race because when they went to put the barrier up slightly higher for for the men it completely fell down um so that that was that disaster going in through my head here. Yeah. yeah that was that was horrible but you know it didn't deter me from the event if you know it didn't frighten me um because i knew there was something it wasn't it wasn't a fault of mine yeah you know it was out of, it was something that was out of my control um so i ended up going back the, the next year and actually running the qualifying time a whole year later Brilliant. um on the the last day the cutoff day the cutoff race and um, which which race that was that for it was Erdogan. was that for you it, no that was for and um, commonwealth games for 2014 oh, glasgow mm -hmm. was that the first real big games that you got into then it was um glasgow glasgow commonwealth games in 2014 was my first major championship yeah yeah what was that yeah. like because you yeah. watch it on tv you know you hear all the commentators and everybody going around the track mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're at the starting line. Yeah, it, it was amazing because um in in a way um it was it was slightly like world championships because you do have the Jamaicans in there yeah. and so on. Um, you know, so there are top top competitors, you know, you've got the Kenyans in there as well. Um and so for steeplechase when you've got three Kenyans in the race, you know, you're <laughs> you're racing against against the world's best. Yeah. Um but the atmosphere um in Glasgow in that stadium was absolutely amazing. Um the roars from the crowd every time you ran round was like a Mexican wave. 
um, the roars at the at the water jump were unbelievable. <laughs> um, so you know, it's an exciting race, though, isn't it? It was an exciting race as well. Do you know, somebody asked me, you know, what was it like? Um, and I can only compare it to like being in a concert. You know, I knew with the people on stage, yeah. um, and the and the roars, um, it was I'd I'd never experienced anything like that before, Brilliant. um, but it was a great start and a great setup to then you know going on to twenty fifteen competing at the World Championships in Beijing, and then going on to the yeah. Europeans and Olympics in twenty sixteen. Two thousand fifteen into Beijing, man, because mm-hmm. um, it must be warm there, was it? It was very warm. <laughs> Um, and that's where I went out the back door in the last kilometre. Um, the stadium was, the, the heat yeah. was, it, it was crazy. I think the, on the infield it was about 36, 37 degrees. Um, and the race was going well. Now I did feel the heat, but the race had been going well. Um, and the, the first lap, one of, one of the girls um, had actually fallen behind me in the water jump. Um, and that made, you know, sort of, um, headline news and all the papers all over the world because she completely submerged in into the water um and because what depth is the water it's not much is it <laughs> I, I guess i guess what if you stand in at the deep end because the the steeplechase yeah. is at an angle the the landing um is at an angle and um, so if you, if you stood in it it would, it would nearly you know it would not quite up to your up to your hips you know um you know for maybe somebody who's about five foot five um but uh yeah, so it was it was it was the last kilometer then that I really went out the back door, um, and it was completely completely down to the heat. Um, I hadn't done any heat acclimatization. Yeah. Um, really, that was really impact during June, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was basically the last kilometer then that um the heat really got to me, and I really slowed, and you know I didn't run the race that I wanted to run. Um, but I knew that then going in to Rio, you know, I wasn't going to let that happen again. Yeah. I would make sure that I didn't, you know, leave any stone unturned. And we did then um, work alongside um, the Sports Institute um, to then go into a heat chamber and replicate the type of heat and humidity that there would be in Rio. So in the heat chamber then, we're laughing at his Terry's dogs. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? That's Lola. Lola. That's Lola. <laughs> She's my training partner. One of my training so, partners. <laughs> so you're qualifying into Rio then. So how did that go? So this yeah, obviously so a big it, one. You're in great shape. Yeah, it's a huge so, opportunity. Yeah, so the, the Letter Kenny race was the, was the start of that. Um, and, um, you know, then, you know, the, the first taster of, of that big world stage then at the Worlds in Beijing. Um, then was a great opportunity for us to look at the likes of what we had to do for for Rio. So as I said, you know the heat acclimatization, um, and then I guess going into twenty sixteen, um, it was sort of trying to do everything that I'd done previously, but um, try and be careful in a way. Like I I, I did have an indoor season, um, I then you know did do. Um, the normal things I would do training wise um, I went off to altitude um, and I probably spent more time in altitude than I, than I had ever done before because um, I knew it was good for mm-hmm. me so I would um, go out to in what, uh, ways, in what ways is it good for you? 
Um, well, for me, well, you get responders and non-responders. Mm-hmm. Um, I respond a little bit to altitude. Um, so when, when you go to altitude because the oxygen is at a lower pressure, um, your your body um, is, is under you know, a lot more stress. Um, so your body starts to produce naturally uh, more red blood cells and the red blood cells are the oxygen carriers in your body that carry the oxygen to the working muscles. Um, so spending time at altitude, you would like to hope that you know you'd, you'd come back and um, you would have more red blood cells than somebody who was training at sea level. Um, but it's getting that timing right of when you go to altitude, when you come back from yeah. altitude, when you race after altitude, and everybody's different. Um, everybody responds differently as well. Uh, but for me, you know, going to Faramu is more of you know getting away and and going to a place that I love to train and that's somewhere you can go and concentrate fully on your running fully on your recovery and there's always a great group of athletes out there as well Um, and it's it's a great way to focus your training really isn't it you've only so much energy you can spend in a day and you're there you're just focusing all of your energy and what you're trying to achieve isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, altitude, I've been going to altitude for the past 12 years. You know, it has been um, a big part of, of training and preparing for competition for me as well. Um, and uh, I guess why I chose Fontremeau was because, you know, I'd read about it in Paula Radcliffe's book. You know, mm-hmm. she had talked about this wonderful place that she had gone to to train. Um, and it has become a really popular spot, you know, for Irish athletes, GB athletes. Um, you know, there's people people from all over the world go there now and um, to to prepare for their major competitions. Um, the place is is buzzing when you're coming up to a major competition. You know, we you know you'd see Mo Far out there now as well. Um, it's 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 a great. You must place. have heard that's where you go. Sorry. I said he must have heard that's where you go. He must have done. He must have done. <laughs> so was Letter Kenny the only um qualifying that you had to do then? Um. So for for, for the. Every year there's there's different criteria um, and, and that year for, for the Olympics you, you obviously have to show form as well but um, for that year you had to um, run the national championship um, and you also have to um, get your Olympic qualifying time um, just well, just once that year. And what, what was your time? What was the time um, the, the Olympic qualifying time was 9.45 uh, and the world qualifying time was 9.44 and I ran 9.42. Michelle ran nine forty three and um Sarah ran high nine forty four so she was chasing another standard for for the worlds um but she 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 got to go that, that amazes me in athletics where the difference in one or two seconds how much that makes and you wonder how such a group of athletes mm-hmm. can come in so tight yeah that your body must be just be right on the limit. Do you know what I mean? And everybody's getting themselves, trying to get themselves right in that, the best condition they possibly can, right at the moment that they most need to. Mm-hmm. And it's only one or two seconds. I know. And I think that's where where there's no hiding in steeplechase. <laughs> if everything's not firing in steeplechase, then, you know, it's, it, it usually doesn't go right. You know, yeah. sometimes, you know, in maybe a 1500 or a 5000, because the flat ratio, you know, can maybe get away with a little bit of a niggle. You could get away with a little bit of, you know, not being on top form. Um, you know, if you're feeling maybe a bit under the weather, but steeplechase, um, because it's so demanding, because yeah. there's that extra obstacle in there, um, I think everything has to be just right. 
you know, even even down to the weather sometimes, although, you know, in Letterkenny it wasn't the most most perfect night. Um there was a little bit of a wind, a bit of rain, um, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't blowing a gale. Um That must draw draw nerves as well. It's not indoor in Letterkenny, is it? No, 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 it was it was outdoors, yeah, and yeah. It's such a as you were saying there, you come up to the last few weeks mm-hmm. and you have to make this happen. Um the weather can make all the difference, couldn't it? It, it can and, and I guess that's why you would find athletes going and going on, and traveling across Europe mainly to get races um, and then also um, heading to the States to maybe do a stint of altitude at the States. You know, I've done that previously um, and coming into 2019, um, I will probably go and do um, some early altitude in the likes of Albuquerque to then get in a race then early April to start my season off. Um, but yeah, so you you know, I guess athletes travel for the competition as well. Mm. You know, um, so you know, tra- traveling across the world to get the the better competition, the faster races, um, the more competitive races, um, you know, the BMCs, the British Minor Club races, um, they're great, and and the Irish Minor races are great as well. You know, with pacemakers being in there, but for steeplechase, it's. It's tough for steeplechase. It's really tough finding races for steeplechase. Yeah. Um, so we would mainly have to travel. So 2016 then, mm-hmm. the Olympics um, in Rio. We had Paul Pollock interviewed a couple of weeks ago as yeah, well. I heard of, yeah. And uh, like, wow, do you know how you've come from sort of Newcastle, as you said before, you never thought that you could actually possibly be in the Olympics, but here you were going. What was the sort of buzz yeah. leading up to that? Yeah, well, you know, as I said, Olympics as a kid, was like, yeah. Se- I think I read it was like 776 BC was the first recorded. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like centurions going into the Olympic Stadium for thousands of years, and now you're actually going to compete as an Olympian. Like, that. You still pinch yourself about that? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was amazing. Um, you know, when I look back from starting running, um, you know, as yeah, that's you know, thirteen years of age, you know, twenty twenty two years later I was then, you know, making Olympic games. Um it was it was crazy. The emotions were the emotions were crazy as well. Um the, you know the build up to it was great. Um, I'd been at altitude and then I'd I'd run a few I'd run a few races and then um the European Championships was actually before Rio, same right. year, twenty sixteen. Um, so that was a really good. I guess it was it was pretty nerve wracking because it was going to be hard. You wanted to pick. Mm-hmm. You wanted to pick for both. You know, you you went into the the European Championships, and I guess that was a little taster. I guess that was your early early heats rounds for for your Olympics. Um, and all three of us, myself, Michelle, and Sarah, had gone in. Um, run a really good heat and we'd all made the final um, and, and we did really well in the final so to make the, for all three of us to make that final in the Europeans was absolutely fantastic but then it was then you know um, sort of bringing it all back then to right okay yeah. now let's not sort of you know tip over here and um, we've we've got to now work towards um, you know peaking again or sustaining that peak for for Rio um, which was I think it was exactly a month later I think it was three three or four weeks later um, so tra- traveling with um, Athletics Ireland and um, they they took us to a holding camp in Brazil in a place called Uberlandia um, and we were there for I think it was 10 days in preparation then okay. to then be taken into into the village and um, 
and the village is like going into you know a small a small town yeah yeah what's your thoughts on the village gentleman paul had some thoughts it wasn't exactly what he expected yeah well i know you know there's reports in the papers and so on and, and across the news that the place wasn't finished and and so on but i, I think sort of everybody's federation sort of came in there and um, to make sure you know everything was was fine for their athletes coming in and um, the, the weather wasn't the best you know we did have some days that it were you know absolutely poured um but you know you came into the village um you have to come in and get your accreditation first so you know there's a big long line queue for that um you got your accreditation then that's that was you in the village security you went through scanners every time you came into the village um, and nobody from the general public was allowed in um, you know friends and family had to sort of get signed in on, on passes that had to be applied for if they wanted to come in and, and see you in the village and um, so that sort of generally didn't mm-hmm. happen um, and we our accommodation was like you know sort of small uh, skyscrapery tower blocks you know like apartments yeah. um, and Ireland we shared ours with uh, New Zealand which was nice and um yeah you were then I you would, thought that was a good team <laughs> yeah. <seen> them <laughs> you were then um you know in accommodation um now you know mainly sort of the athletes were kept together and then you know other sports were had their own floor as well and um, you know so myself myself and Kieran McGain and Michelle and a few of the other girls at British Conley all all shared um like a small apartment um and some had double bedrooms some had single bedrooms um so that that was great sort of having a yeah. having a wee area to ourselves but it, it was very very basic it was just one one small single bed uh one tiny bedside table um and uh no cooking facilities or anything because there was a, a large canteen yeah. that was open 24 7 um did it cater for you okay there wasn't any nerves about what you were eating or anything like that no, usually at the at those sort of um, major competitions, they they do cater for everybody. You know, they're you can't get every everything under the sun to eat. Um, now you know the for me the food the food wasn't great. You know, mm-hmm. coming from um being at like a major championship at the worlds in Beijing where you were you were actually based in hotels there, and the food was fantastic there. And even Glasgow, glad the the food in Glasgow was unbelievable. Um. So the, the food was a bit, you know, hit, yeah. hit and miss at times, but, you know, it was fine. You could get, you know, your proteins, your carbs, everything that was grand. I guess then just after, you know, a couple of, be- of, of weeks of being in there competing and then being there to support other people, it just got, um, you know, a, a bit boring, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, sort of coming in, sort of it was the same thing. And <laughs> how, how long was it until your race? And were you going, you're obviously going and watching a few races as well. Mm-hmm. Is there any races from the, those Olympics that sort of really stands out in your mind that uh, Oh, that was amazing because it must have been just amazing after, after 2012 yeah it's such a big hype and expectation as well um because 2016 obviously carried that whole momentum from 2012 mm-hmm. um what was it like just being in the stadium let alone yeah, on the, track the stadium was unbelievable because um you know you you went in and and i actually did not um get to see or go to any other um sporting event because the athletics was so good um myself and a couple of the other girls were brought in i think it was just three days before we were flown in three days before our event um so the the, i guess the disappointing part of that was that um 
um, we didn't get to do the opening ceremony. You know, that's something, yeah. you know, you sort of as an athlete you want to do. Um, so we didn't get to do that, but um, I suppose it kept us away from the hustle and the bustle and, and the hype and sort of any illnesses that were going around. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you were coming in and you only had your couple of days then where you, where you were tapering. Um, and you were getting your sleep and then you had your major competition and then after that you were supporting the other athletes around you so you were getting to bed early after your competition as well and there wasn't much to do at night <laughs> in, the, in the village Um, you know you had your dinner you went to bed or you then you know popped on the bus and went to see the the nighttime events of the athletics but the, you know the athletics was so good that the athletics was the only sport that I went to see while I was away. And of course, you know, you had to, for the other sports, you had to buy the tickets and they were very, very expensive. Um, uh, and then our boxers, you know, got, you know, they were out of the rounds pretty early. And so I suppose if they had progressed on, we would have gone to support them, you know, being sort of, um, sort of major medalists, you know, previously. But um, for me in the athletic stadium, um, you know, it's, it was going and, and watching, watching bolts competes yeah. knowing that that was going to be his final olympics um it was unbelievable you know that for a lot of the other events unless they sort of were then the finals and um, the stadium um wasn't completely full but when bolt was completing competing the the stadium was was jam-packed it was he it was, was an full. amazing figure for athletics wasn't he yeah yeah definitely and um, such an entertainer yeah yeah we were we were really lucky enough for the world championships that we were in the same hotel as the jamaicans so we were having our <laughs> breakfast lunch and dinner with them so you know we were pretty lucky that we basically got to rub shoulders with him um which which is great he's so yeah. so down to earth really really easy going um you know we, we had a had a good laugh with them all um so it's you know it's great when you go in and you're chatting to the kids you know in schools and you can actually you bring up your your slides on the on on the on the board and then um, all of a sudden you bring up your slide pictures with you see in both and they're like oh do you know him <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's you know that's that's great to have it's a great memory to have um you know it's it's, it's a great thing that you get to rub shoulders with the other competitors as well you know not only the people from your own event but you know the the sprinters the throwers the jumpers how does that make you feel then rubbing shoulders with these people yeah. and thinking that you're an athlete as well mm. competing in the same games as these guys yeah I guess you go into it and I suppose in Beijing the world championships you were sitting there and you and like everybody was oh my goodness oh my goodness there's you seeing bolts one well, peeping over to see what he was eating and you know it's um you're star you are yeah. starstruck you are starstruck when you go in there but you know as you get to go to your next major championship you know you know you, you've got to realize well you know i've done as much work to be here myself you know i'm i'm you know i'm in the same boat here okay i mightn't be a major a major medalist but you know i've, I've earned you're my place i've earned my place here yeah yeah um you know i'm here you know running against the rest of the world um, you talked about tapering then, so you had a few days tapering when you arrived. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous in your training coming up to that? I guess so. You know, you get nervous, and unlike anybody, you know, you feel as if oh, you can't run, or you know, you f- you feel a bit ill. You're like oh, but it's I guess that's your body shutting down. Your body yeah. knows um that it's about to get ready for a major competition and. You know, I've, I've had people come to me and ask me, I would get emails and, and people would say, oh, you know, gosh, you know, is, is my race not going right? Because I'm feeling so lethargic beforehand. And it's, it's telling them, no, trust the process, 
your body's shutting itself down it knows what's about to happen that's a good thing you know so i've always thought nerves are nerves are good if you can channel them the right yeah. way um but if they if they really start to mess you up you know you know nervous energy can be used a good way but it can also be mm. be, be bad if you get too nervous you know if you maybe start panicking and um it's there to be enjoyed as well isn't it you put a lot of work it into is. it and it's only going to come by mm -hmm. once or twice in your life like you have to really enjoy it i know well. i know because because now you know i'm working towards trying to push for 2020 um i'm trying to make the tokyo olympics um you know I believe there's still more in me. I believe I can go faster than nine forty-two. Um, you know, I, I believe I can run in the nine thirties and, and be up there. Um, you know, competing again with the world's best. Um, whether my body allows me to do that is a, is not. You know, we we don't know what's around the corner. Um, so you know, you know, at the at the at the minute, I'm trying to build towards that. I'm trying to push for that. Um, and again, it's a completely different process this time round. Um. It's, it's a point system this time round. So it's yeah. it, beforehand, it was, um, there's the qualifying time and you've got to do the qualifying time. Now it's picking and choosing um, which races you go to because some races are worth more points than others. Winning a national championship will be worth more points than, than another race. Um, and, and then it's your best, your best three races in that 12 month period. Mm. Um, it's a lot to think about now. Leading up, um, yeah, yeah, it's. I I think it's going to be challenging, um, because. I know from racing previously over the past couple of years and coming up to major championships, it's very hard to get into races. Um, steeplechases are very hard to get into. You know, mm. you're you're looking at you know maybe steeplechase five thousand and ten thousand on the track. Um, it's it, they can be hard to find. Um, whereas maybe you know um, the hundred meters you know you can you can go and get quite a lot of good competition or if you're at one of the, the bigger competitions they may have an A race a B race a C race and so on um, so I think it's going to be tough getting into races um, sitting on waiting lists for races as well you know I've, I've been on waiting lists for races before as well you know it's it must not be hard to structure your year with your training block and trying to fit these races in between as well and make sure that you're hitting those races at the mm -hmm. right time. It must yeah. be quite complex, really. It is, and I suppose for an endurance runner, um, you know, I guess for a sprinter, they have their, say, their indoor season and their outdoor season, and, and that's them. But for an endurance runner, um, you know, you, you come to, you know, the start of the season, maybe you've, you've taken time off at the end of the track season, so you've taken maybe a few weeks in September off, um, and then you're straight into cross country. Um, you know, because the European Championships is something I've always aimed for, and um, you know that was that was one of the another one of the starting points in the career was trying to make the Irish team for the European Championships, um, so that comes in you know our trials are November, then the the European Championships are December, and then straight after Christmas you're into to an indoor season, um, and you know, um, I made my first my first indoors there at the European Championships. Um, and you know that that was great you know ticking another box yeah. there so you sort of get hungry for more gosh you know yeah I'd love to make that again um, and then you know sort of once the indoors are over you're preparing for then your outdoors you know you're going away either getting your warm weather training or your altitude training and then you know coming into your 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 outdoor competition for the track and, and that can run right from you know you can get early races in April in the States 
and that can run right through to the start of September. So for an endurance runner, it can be all year round. Now, My legs are getting tired listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can pick and choose, but when, you know, for me, it's always been, well, cross country's made me strong. Um, I like to get a good winter block in. And for me, it's always good to have that challenge and have that goal. You know, to try and slog yeah. through a whole winter without a goal or without, you know, without maybe even a couple of races, you know. Mm. Um, you know, so the, the European Championship has always been a good target there for the cross country. But as an endurance runner, I feel sometimes you do get sucked into yeah. just competing. Well, not competing the whole year round, but being on the go the whole year round. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough. Um, and I, and I, I suppose for me, it, I find it tougher than coming out of the rest period. So that sort of period in September where you've taken a rest from the track and you've had, you know, two to three weeks off. Um, usually for me, I try to limit it to, to a week. After Berlin, I took a week off, but then I was still um, uh, keeping myself ticking over for the Kia Road Race series. Um, and because uh, I had one more race to do there to be to be in line to, to win the lease of a Kia seed for the year. So okay. that was that was a great incentive then for sort of, finishing off the end of the year so how did that go um i was i was lucky enough to win the series um yeah. so it's great so kia ireland and i are, are preparing a, a car for me for the year so that's gonna be that's wow. gonna be nice to have to have that um because at 37 i've never had a new car they've <laughs> always been second hand um but then sort of after that then i had then my proper my proper couple of weeks break off and um, doing no running at all I don't like it, but I, I understand that the body needs a rest, the mind needs a rest and so on. And then it's when you start back running that then all the little niggles come in because the Achilles yeah. say to you, you know, you've offloaded me, now you're loading <laughs> me. What are you doing? You know, so um, I guess that's the period I find hard coming back from the off season. And yeah. then everything's sort of the aches and pains and and the, you know, the, the whole shock of doing the first session, doing the first tempo, um, and trying to build those miles up, but build them up sensibly as well, you know, from going from zero to, you know, how am I going to get to 70, 80 miles a week here, you know? Um, but yeah, for me, it's each year it's sort of been all year round. Um, I guess I maybe in, in the next few years, I have to maybe pick and choose. Mm -hmm. Um, and listen to your body and listen to my body because I do you know I do want to hopefully you know make um, that world championship in Doha next year and then you know progress on the following year fingers crossed you know for, for the for the Olympics yeah. I'd love to make a second Olympics but if it doesn't happen you know I've you know I've, I've been there I've done that you know um, you know I'll, I'll pick myself up if it doesn't happen but it would just be it would just be great Um. I don't want to end my running career, you know, due to having to hang the spikes up because of injury or so on. I want to end my running on my terms. Um, I don't think I'll ever officially retire from running. I'll always be a runner. I think I'll always get out there every day and yeah. run because you know it's it's you know it's it's great for you. It's great for the for the mind as well as the body. There's a whole new world of masters as well after that, <laughs> isn't there? It all possibly, again. possibly. We'll 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 see. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, I do have a few niggles that I know I will carry on to the rest of my running career. I've got a small tear in one of my tendons down in my ankle, which um because of it's because it's a certain type of tear it won't heal it'll never heal um it would need surgery and i don't want to go down that route mm. um so it's 
it's strengthening those areas up but at the moment which is working really well and I'm running pain free and it's great and, and the physios up at, at, at Sinai have been working with me to strengthen all the areas around that so so I can run and I can get so many more years out of my career but you know international wise you know I could hang up the spikes but I think you know I'll always be a runner I'll always you'll probably always see me at the yeah. local road races and things like that because I can never see myself fully giving up you know it's 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 been my life you're in for such so great long. form now even at the minute when you look at the likes of those local races like the queen's 5k and even likes to see the cup and, and races like that yeah like you're doing phenomenal at the minute yeah you've actually seemed to get stronger and stronger yeah which your strongest yeah for me sort of this this season i didn't have a great um outdoor track season because i was carrying this this niggle that i didn't you know i didn't know what what was wrong until i had an, the mri scan um, so then I was able to say, well, you know, this is why I haven't been performing. Everything was going well in training and so on. And, and I just didn't know why, you know, it just, it just wasn't. The first race was great. The first race out was great. And it was, it was Erdogan again in, in Belgium where I'd, I'd hurt myself in 2013. Um, and, and that went really well. And then just sort of after that, I sort of, I, I think things weren't going well. Just a little niggle here, a niggle there. Um, you know, and further into the season then it was like, okay, this is what's wrong. Um, let, let's get through it and we got, we got through it I made the major championship um, and you know I, I didn't run well at it and I, you know, that, that was really upsetting you know not going to the major championship um, and you know to the Europeans and, and not making that final where I'd made the final the last time now steeplechase has moved on you know you have to be running um, a good more than 10 seconds I think it was sub 9.30 to make the final so you're talking about Olympic yeah. um quality there um so it's hard work it was hard it would have been hard work to make the final um but um it, it just not making that was was yeah. it was quite upsetting because I had done before but I knew you know sort of why you know preparation hadn't been great because I've been up and down sort of nursing the niggles and then coming back and training well and getting back into it um but you know it's 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 something all runners have have to deal with yeah. you know and and then at the end of the season you know i ended up running a very fast 10k for the final kia race um with the pop-up race guys and then um just a handful of days before that because i thought i need to test myself here i, I ran the mill hill mile um, yeah. it's a hard one to say no to every year <laughs> comes by and you've finished your track season but then the mill hill mile um that, that's run here locally with my club newcastle um it pops up in September when you're just about to go on your break and it's like, oh, will I run it, will I not? And I ran it this, this year um, and you know, I was, time this I year. think I was only something like maybe six seconds, not even, maybe five or six seconds off my record. Yeah. Um, maybe only four, I can't remember. Um, but, you know, I wasn't that far off, off my record. Um, amazing and that was from um from 2016 just after after rio so i surprised myself there and i thought well no i'm you know i'm, I'm it's always nice to get a little yeah i'm not i'm not done yet you know i'm i'm still there i've had niggles i've i know what they are now i know how to deal with them i know how to strengthen i know how to work towards this um you know so and i'm you know i'm really not done with it yet um i really want to push on and and try and run faster. Mm -hmm. I know, I know I can. Um, and so it's just, 
it's so just the not are, happening, right? Mine's the strong, the hardest bit to convince, but I think mm. the body can usually follow that. Mm-hmm. So I told you my daughter went to the same school as you did. Yeah. My mum told me the other day that Mary Peters was the head girl in her school. So. Oh, great. Lovely. <laughs> um, so I sat with my daughter just to do a few quick far questions to give her the opportunity. So yeah. first question she had was, what was your favourite running shoes? As, a, as when I was younger or at the moment? At the moment. At the moment. Um, I train in Asics Nimbus. I love Nimbus. They've been, because they're a good cushion shoe, they've been my, my go-to for training. Do you prefer the indoors or the outdoors? Try. Uh, outdoors because, because steeplechase. Yeah. <laughs> and from a perspective of running, who, who inspires you the most? Um, from running? Um, I guess you mentioned before Mary Peters. You know, Mary Peters has been a big inspiration over the years from you know what what, what she what she did. She's, an amazing um, person, she's, isn't she's, she? she's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. She she has been a big inspiration to me. Um, um, she had confidence in me. You know, when I said I want to try and make an Olympics, she said you know you will. Um, I didn't make twenty twelve. I got a, a horrible niggly Achilles injury and didn't make twenty twelve and was devastated. Um. But Mary, you know, was there, like, no, no, you make the next one. And, and I did, you know, so she, you know, she's been a big inspiration. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going to ask this question. It'd be your favourite distance. My favourite distance. <laughs> Do you know, it, it is a 3,000 steeplechase, but, you know, if I was, if I was to choose another distance on the track, it would be 1,500 metres. I love race. the 15. <laughs> um, your favourite race memory? Um... I guess it is, you know, standing on that start line in the Olympic Stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, there's 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 nothing like that, you know, to, to reach the, the ultimate point in your sport. Um it was just just unbelievable. But, you know, the race that got me there was Letterkenny. It really yeah. was, you know, and there was there was there was sort of nothing like that night, you know, finishing and all three of us getting the standard. Just yeah. last question then, your favourite food? Favourite <laughs> food, sweet or savory. <laughs> Either. Oh. Would you going to have one plate of um, food? What would it be? I guess it would have to be a, a fillet steak, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually got one last question. Do you always listen to your coach? <laughs> mm, I guess it's a bit, it's a bit, oh, it's a bit hard not to because everything comes home. Um, uh, it is hard sometimes to follow yeah. a training plan, isn't it? Especially yeah. when you're feeling stronger and you have to hold back. Yeah, no, I guess I guess I would be I would be one of those people who if I'm told what to do, I do it. Mm. You know, um if I'm if I'm given a training plan, um whether it's from the coach, whether it's from the physio, you know, I go and I, I and I do it. Um as I explained before though, I do have the tendency to want to run quicker. Um so there's been times that Richard has had to say, Right, you're doing this session but you know, I you know I I don't want you to run you know, forty eight forty nines for your three hundred reps. You know I want you to keep them at fifty threes fifty fours. Um, because I want to control this session. I don't want you to go into the wrong energy system and so on and so on. So you know there has been times in the past where I have run a bit too fast in sessions, but we've realised that that's been detrimental to my yeah. endurance. So we've pulled it back, and yeah, I would, I would, I would say I do listen. He, he might say differently. <laughs> Brilliant, Kerry. Thanks very much. I wish you all the luck on the road to Tokyo, and hope everything goes well. Thank you. Thanks for Cheers. having me. Spurb episode from Kerry. I found it interesting when she talked about finding the best range for her body, which made me think about leaning back into the longer endurance races myself. 
Um, she truly is an inspiration, working her way to the top of her sport by gaining a deep understanding of her body and how it functions and really how to get the best out of that. Hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, stay safe and keep on moving.